Lord, we just come into your house tonight desiring to hear from you, desiring to hear from the Holy Spirit who lives within each and every one of us. We thank you for your word that we have such free access to, Lord. We thank you that we can read it and study it, and we know that it will do something in our lives. So we praise you for that, Lord God. We just thank you for tonight, in Jesus' name. Amen. I forgot to write what chapter we're on, but we're on chapter 14. And we're still in the interlude. 12, 13, and 14 are kind of an interlude in between all of the um, seals and trumpets, and we're coming, getting real close to the vials or the bowls. But 12, 13, and 14 have kind of been a panoramic vision of events, of the story of the spiritual, um, the spiritual story of the world, and uh, we're still in that piece of the book of Revelation, and um, one thing, it's, uh, the images that we're seeing in these chapters are like snapshots. And they're not necessarily in a chronological order. So you got to kind of, you can't, you can't read too much into the order in which you see them showing up here on the pages. You got to kind of try and put uh, a time order, because we, we struggle with time, right? Time, we live in time. God doesn't live in time, so, so he can put those in any order and they make perfectly good sense to him. But we have to try and kind of put them into a time order if we feel that's important based on the context in which they're, they're being presented. Um, I may or may not be able to do that for you tonight. <laughs> but let's... Uh, uh, we're going to do some reading tonight. So, Bonnie, can you read chapter 14, verses 1 through 5? Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the voice of many waters, and like the voice of loud thunder. And I heard the sound of harpists playing their harps. They sang as it were a new song before the throne, before the four living creatures and the elders, and no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. These are the ones who were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These were redeemed from among men, being firstfruits to God and to the Lamb, and in their mouth was found no deceit, for they are without fault before the throne of God. Revelation chapter 14, verses 1 through 5, New King James Version. All right, so we've met these gentlemen before, the 144,000. We first see them in chapter 7. Pretty sure these are the same 144,000 as we saw back there. And so in this vignette, we see them standing with Jesus on Mount Zion, Mount Zion. 
And uh, one of the controversies in the chapter is, is that the earthly Mount Zion, which is where the Temple Mount is, at the end of the tribulation when Jesus comes back, or is this the heavenly Mount Zion, which is in Hebrews 12. Randy, you want to look up Hebrews 12, 22? Uh, Paul, the writer of Hebrews talks about the heavenly Mount Zion, which is in the heavenlies. And um, so uh, an equal number of scholars seem to go either way. I personally tend to think that, that we are talking about the heavenly Mount Zion. You got that, Randy? Uh, it starts, I think, at 22, but read as far as it makes sense. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 22 through 24, New King James Version. So, the writer of Hebrews does talk about a heavenly Mount Zion, the temple of God. We know that everything that's on the earth that we, we uh, read about in the first five books with Moses and the tabernacle, those are all copies of what's in heaven. So the tabernacle, the temp tabernacle furniture, and so... Yes, there is absolutely a real Mount Zion in Jerusalem, in Israel, but there's also a heavenly Mount Zion on which the temple of God sits. Um, and um, I personally tend to think that these 144,000 have been... We learned, well, we know that the 144,000 are protected by the seal of God. I don't believe that they've been able to be hurt or to be killed by the Antichrist and all of his demonic forces on the earth because they're going about preaching the gospel of Christ. And um, so I'm reading between the lines here a little bit. And so this, mark this down as a little bit of Vern speculation. But I'm tending to believe that these 144,000 have been taken out of the earth and brought to heaven at the midpoint in the, in the tribulation. And we see them, they've, they're sing, well, we see the multitudes. We know that by this time in the tribulation, there's a multitude of people who have been killed and martyred for um, continuing to serve Jesus through this time period. We've seen them before on, uh, on the Sea of Glass. They are praising God, and now we've got harpists, uh, we've got the sound of waters and the voice of thunder, and we've got a new song being sung before the throne. And it says that no one could learn that song except the 144,000 who were redeemed from the earth. I take that to mean that they were taken off the earth and brought into heaven. Um, Verse, where are we at? I lost my verses. <laughs> Verse 4. These were redeemed from among men, being first fruits to God and to the Lamb. 
Now, I just put something in here about first fruits because in the again in the Old Testament, the harvesting of a field followed a very specific order. And oftentimes when the Bible talks about first fruits, you can get some kind of connotation from the whole idea of harvesting a field. Um, at the time of Passover, there is a one-day festival called the Festival of First Fruits. And in that festival, it's actually Passover is typically around the wheat, no, the barley harvest time frame. And um, the high priest, the priest, will go out into the barley field and they'll tie a, a sheaf of barley grain together and they will harvest that as the first fruits from the field of barley. That will go to the temple, get waved before the, the, in the temple as a sacrifice, first fruit sacrifice. And when that is all completed and the barley is fully ripe, then the whole field can be harvested for the farmer, for the, the use of the farmer. Except for the corners of the fields. The four corners, well, if it's a rectangular field, the four corners of the field are to be left so that they can be gleaned by the poor and the widow. And we see in the book of Ruth that when uh, Ruth and Naomi came back into Israel, Ruth went out and gleaned in Boaz's field in the corners of the field. So those are preserved and set aside. Now, I say all that just because I believe these 144,000 who are Jewish men are the first fruits of a great Jewish harvest in this tribulation time period. So we'll have to look for that as we go forward. It's not talked about right here, but we can look for that. And we can also look for the aspect of gleaning as we look forward through the rest of the book of Revelation. All right. Now, the other reason that I think that the 144,000 have been taken up to heaven is because the church has left, the two witnesses have left, and I believe the 144,000 have left. And so there's no one left on earth to proclaim the gospel of Christ. And so the next thing we see is the proclamation of the gospel by an angel flying through the heavens. So that's the only witness we've got left on the earth is this angel proclaiming the gospel. So, Joanne, you want to read? Um, let's read 6 through um, 11. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. 
Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image, and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark of his name. Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 through 11, New King James Version. So we have three angels making three different proclamations in the heavens. And in this case, heavens is more than likely just the sky, the atmosphere, as we would call it. The first one has the everlasting gospel to preach. Now, um... This gospel, as we see in these verses, um, fear God, give glory, worship him who made heaven and earth. So even um, even uh, one, of these, one of these next times we're going to do the book of Romans, unless Randy wants to, but he's probably done that already. Um, but Romans talks about that even no man is innocent because even creation speaks to the splendors of God. And so this gospel that this angel is going is, is going back to the very beginning and saying, worship God because he is the creator. He has made you and he is worthy of worship. Um, and that goes out to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. Um, He's made it all. He's worthy of worship. The second angel is kind of like, it's kind of like a newsflash. It hasn't happened yet. It's going to happen in the future. We'll read more about it later. But get ready because here's, here's what's coming. Babylon, which Babylon is, I think I got it in my notes there, is really three different, at least three different things. Babylon is probably a physical city. Well, it is a physical city. It may be the actual site of Babylon in the country of Iraq. It may also be a reference to the city of Rome in Italy. But it is a physical city. It is an economic system that is driving the world that is... Um, Defined, and I think it's, I don't know if it's 17 or 18, but it's coming. We're going to see all about this, the Babylon and, and how it's fallen. So Babylon is an economic system, but it's also a false religious system. So it's rolled up into at least those three different aspects. And these verses don't say anything about that, but we're going to see it as we get into 17, 18. So this is like kind of like a newsflash. Here's what's coming. Stay out of there. Don't, don't participate in that. Then the third angel follows them and basically is bringing a message about the beast and the mark of the beast, saying, if you take the mark, you're done for. Don't do it. Stay away. Uh, and it goes into some pretty brutal descriptions of what's going to happen to those who take the mark. Um, 
A lot of people don't like these verses because they like a God that just loves everybody and never judges anybody and they can get along. Can't we just all get along kind of thing? Well, the Bible doesn't say anything about that God. Um, yes, Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus comes with forgiveness. But Jesus ultimately is also going to be the judge of all those who have not received him, who have not called upon his name to be their savior. And it's a, it's a, it's a uh, well, it describes it as torment. Okay? So don't be there. Don't go there. Stay out of that. Okay, um, Austin uh, 12, I guess um, just 12 and 13. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Revelation chapter 14, verses 12 through 13, New King James Version. Okay, so we've got a little bit of a proclamation and, and uh, that says, yes, you may die. If you don't take the mark of the beast, yes, you may die. But you're better off than those people who are in torment for eternity because you're going to be in the presence of the Lamb. You know, and... and the works they're talking about there, Jesus often talked about the fact that when you all get to heaven, you will be rewarded for the works that you have done. So we're not talking about works as a means of salvation. We're talking about works as a reward for the work that you've put in for the kingdom here on earth. And so it says their works will follow them. They will be rewarded when they get there. Okay. We've got some more angels. Um, Austin, would you keep going 14 through 16? Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle, and another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Revelation chapter 14, verses 14 through 16, New King James Version. All right, this one's um, got, again, got two different opinions on it. Um... Pretty sure that the one who sat on the cloud like the Son of Man is Jesus. Um, he's wearing the golden crown, which was like the mitre that the high priest wore. Jesus, at this point in the uh, at this point in the description, is still acting as our high priest in heaven. And if you've ever seen any of the pictures or drawings of the Jewish high priest, he will have a golden crown on his head. Um, 
So the, the division of opinion is, is this Jesus reaping the righteous from the earth? Or is this Jesus reaping the unrighteous from the earth? And the conclusion that I came to and I hesitate to use my thoughts as a basis for what I'm teaching you, but it, I want to come down with on one side or the other. So I'm picking a side. I'm leaning to the fact that this is the reaping of the unrighteous. And I say that because we talk about the first three and a half years of the tribulation where there's a lot of people, you know, we have the, the seven seals and within the seven seal we have the seven trumpets, right? That takes us through the first three and a half years. There's a lot of things going on the earth. A lot of people are being killed. The war, pestilence, famine. Um, so I looked at this and I'm going, the first three and a half years are typically referred to as the wrath of the Lamb. We saw that back in chapter 4, 5, 6. And so, <clears throat> I look at this reaping as being covering that time period. The unrighteous are being removed from the earth because of their unrighteousness. But in this case, we see the reaping, the harvest, the one with the sickle is Jesus himself. In contrast to the next set of verses, which we'll read here in a minute, another angel comes out with another sickle, and there's another reaping of the earth. And I look at that as probably being during the time period of the second three and a half years, which is called the wrath of God. And so let's read 17 through... 20. Pastor, would you care to read that? Then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, who had power over fire. And he cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle, and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth, and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city, and blood came out of the winepress, up to the horses' bridles, for 1,600 furlongs. Revelation, chapter 14, verses 17 through 20, New King James Version. So it specifically calls this the wrath of God, and, and that's why I place it into the second three and a half years of the tribulation, we know that when, well, we don't know yet because it's in chapter 19, but when um, Jesus returns to the earth uh, in chapter 19, he comes to fight the battle of, that we know as the battle of Armageddon. And all the armies of the world are gathered to Armageddon, and those armies are defeated, it says, by the word of his mouth. Um, so there was a great slaughter in that, uh, in that place. And that's approximately a, you know, 200, well, no, that isn't even 200 miles. Never mind. Didn't think that one through completely. But there's a great slaughter that's going on. And the, the 200 miles 
It's actually all the way up to into Syria and Iraq. And so probably over the entire area that God says was the Jews' land grant covers a much bigger area than what Israel is in today. Um, it's blood. It's, uh, it's a... It's a Harvest. What can I say? It's a harvest. It's a terrible harvest, but it's it is the wrath of God being poured out onto the earth. So I think those two reapings, in my mind, happen in the first half of the tribulation and the second half of the tribulation. So there's a lot of events that we haven't even talked about yet that cover the second half of the tribulation. All right. Let's uh, let's. Uh, let's go on into verse chapter 15. Okay, 15 is a real short chapter, so we're going to get through this one too. Um, Carrie, would you like to read 1 through 4? Then I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the seven last plagues, for in them the wrath of God is complete. And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over the mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy." For all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. Revelation chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, New King James Version. So we've got a little bit of mingling of time frames here because I, you know, the, the seven judgments, the last seven judgments, the bowl judgments, haven't happened yet, but, it all, but it's already talking about those who have victory over the beast and over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name. Um, so again, we've got kind of some vignettes going on of, of things that are about to happen, things that will happen in the future, in the near future. Um, so what we're, the picture we're seeing here in chapter 2, we're back up in the heavenly throne room with the sea of glass, and we're seeing all of these souls who have, have um, come out of the, the second half of the tribulation period, and um, they're singing, uh, they have harps, they sing the song of Moses, and the song of the Lamb. So, it, one of the things I'm thinking here is that this may represent the great Jewish harvest of the second half of the tribulation, the the main harvest of the field after the first fruits of the 144,000 who were Jews. This may represent the, 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 the main field harvest of, of Jewish people who have, <clears throat> because they're singing both the song of Moses, symbolizing them as Jews, and the song of the Lamb, symbolizing them as Christ followers. So that's an explanation. Um, 
Let's keep going. Back up to Bonnie. You want some more? Can you read five through the end of the chapter? After these things I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. And out of the temple came the seven angels having the seven plagues, clothed in pure bright linen, and having their chests girded with golden bands. Then one of the four living creatures gave to the seven angels seven golden bowls, full of the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. The temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no one was able to enter the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. Revelation chapter 15, verses 5 through 8, New King James Version. All right, so what we're seeing is a, just a precursor to the seven bowl judgments being poured out on the earth. Um, they're coming from the temple of the tabernacle right straight from God's throne room and out of the temple of God. And um, we'll see later these seven angels coming out with the seven plagues, clothed in bright linen, having their chest girded. They're dressed as priests, Okay. And that will become uh, important a couple chapters down because um, they're certainly called angels here, but we're going to find out a little bit later that they may be some of the prophets from the Old Testament who actually delivered some of the warnings about some of these plagues upon the earth as well. But that doesn't come until later, <laughs> chapters, but some chapters later. All right, so they've got the bowls in their hands. Chapter 16, which we're not going to get to tonight, is actually where we start delivering the bowl judgments onto the earth. And it actually happens pretty quickly, at least, well, it, yeah, it happens pretty quickly. Um, but we see that. And I'm reminded of Isaiah chapter 6 where it talks about uh, Isaiah was in the heavenly temple and he had a vision of God with his train and the smoke of his glory filled the temple. So again, we, we see in the book of Revelation some very Old Testament imagery very similar to what we've seen already in the Old Testament. Um, So that's as far as we're going to go in the book. Now, I've got to tell you, from a personal standpoint, this has been tough. These chapters are tough. Uh, they're tough to wade through. They're tough to get through. The, the, the message they bring seems so hard. So hard. But I think about the millennium. Well, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus, and there was several thousand years before that. And, and you look at how dark and how evil the world is becoming even now when the Spirit is still here and, and the church is still here. And you look across those 2,000 years from here all the way back to Christ, and you look at the believers that have been killed and persecuted and and, and God's justice and judgment has been withheld for those many, 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 many years. 
until the culmination, the fullness of time the Bible talks about. And then it says the wrath of God is going to be poured out in a very short time period. So the contrast that strengthens me, at least, is to remember as we look at the chapters we've gotten through so far already, is that around the throne of God is great rejoicing, is music, is harps, is singing. The people of God are rejoicing before his throne. And so when you look at it from that standpoint and think, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be one of those up there singing and rejoicing. And I may not even know what's going on down on the earth because my focus is going to be on God and on the Lamb. I go, okay, God, it's, it's your call. It's your plan. Just let me be there with you. <laughs> That's all I ask. I don't want to be down here on this earth during this time period. It's not going to be a good thing. I'd much rather be up there singing and rejoicing and proclaiming God's love to each other at that point, but that's where I'd rather be. Um, so from that standpoint, it, it, it is a hard message in this book. But remember, in the first chapter, we got promised a blessing for reading this. So we're going to keep going. <laughs> I want that blessing, too. But um, when we get there, he's going to wipe every tear from our eye. All sorrow and pain will be gone. And we'll be able to rejoice and sing before his throne for all eternity. So hang on. There's a better day coming.